what I want to share is really just choose your focus every single day. And even if it's starting with a tiny little thing, you know, focus on something that you want to see in life. Like, you know, choose to focus on today I'm going to see how many smiles I can count when I go outside. Just something so little, you know, it will help your brain focus on the things that you want to see. And, you know, looking at smiles will really help you. It's just beautiful and contagious, just as a little example. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Today, our guest, all right, she says she has a uh, different approach for which I can teach you on offering about grief and loss. All right, she says she's here to interrupt the stigma of grief and spread the healing of hope into the world. Life is there to be lived, to be happy. Let's allow it back in. So. Loving Life After Loss, Marie Alissi, thank you. Let's push this button right here. All right, thank you for coming on to the show today. <laughs> what an enthusiastic intro. I really love that. Thank you so much. I was actually, you know, weeping along there with the, <laughs> with the music, so I love it. Thanks for having me, James. No, no, thank you for coming in and sharing your valuable time and insight uh, so we can, you know, do what's called help the next person ahead of us. So yeah, I appreciate you being here. All right. Yeah. We're all going to go through the loss and grief of loss and everything. Um, some of us earlier in life than others, but uh, we're all yes. going to experience whether it's uh, our first loving pet, mom, dad, uncle, sister, brother, something. But um, all right. So let's get into, you said you got a, a different approach on this. And so let's, uh, yeah. let's get in here and let's uh, get to other people. Let's get people fired up and learn how they can deal with this. <laughs> okay, so basically, um, for me, it was really important to approach things a little bit different because um, my husband and I were both in the prime of our lives. We were 45 when Rob uh, died very suddenly and without any pre-warning whatsoever from a brain aneurysm. He went on a business trip, uh, said goodbye to the boys and me at the train station and never came home. So it was really something that um, you see in movies, you think that never happens to you in life. And when it did happen, I just knew that I didn't want my boy's life to be over, if that makes sense. They were 10 and 8 when it happened. And I thought there's no way that I'm going to approach grief in the way that society has taught us with falling apart and your life is over and now for the rest of your life you have to live with this pain and relive it over and over again and unfortunately a lot of people who have somebody very close to them die unexpectedly or earlier than you would think um, approach it in a way that they think the more they portray and live grief and sorrow and and hurt and hold on to that the more they show how much they love that person. And I think there's a different way to approach this. I knew that the love that Rob and I had was very special and very rare and everybody looked up to us as, you know, that couple. So when it happened, I knew that I wanted to honour his life. I wanted to honour the love and the happiness that we had and continue that. I wanted our boys to continue to be 
happy and to feel love. So I did everything I could, everything in my mindset just focused on how can I create the happiest life possible for the boys and I. And most people just looked at me as like, okay, like, you know, she's either still in denial or she's lost the plot or, you know, she's still not come to terms with it or she's still in shock. People didn't know what to do with me after that. And it's not that I was running around uh, chirping and singing all the time. You know, I just knew that that had to be my focus to create a happy life. And grief is what happened along the way, but it did not become my main focus, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And again, the way uh, we were, I'm like you, brought up, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's a sad time when we lose someone and everything. But of again, course. Uh, but we don't have to stay there forever. And, yeah. you know, some people that stay longer than others, I'm not saying that's right or wrong mm. uh, because we all deal with it in different ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. But our loved ones would want us to step step out real quick and continue loving life. You hit the nail on the head. It's it's all about like everything I do, the the everything I teach, everything I help people with has got that as origin as as space shifting their perspectives. You know, shifting a perspective. What would your loved one want you to do? if you shift into that perspective, like if you were the one that would have passed. So I'm, I'm just, I, I can only talk for myself, mm -hmm. you know, like if I was the one who would have died early and Rot was still here with the boys, I'd be cheering him on, you know. I'd be like, mm -hmm. go on, babe, you know, live your life, you know, create happiness for the boys. I would really want that with all my heart because that's what love is. Love just wants you to be happy. It's that simple, really, and, and that's what I lived and still do. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. you know, the biggest thing, you know, especially living losing a, a parent is the uh, children mm. trying to figure out what am I supposed to do next without mom or yeah. dad. And yeah. that that can be very difficult. And, you know, they may have to depend how they handle it, you know, maybe some therapy mm. uh, sessions, uh, yeah. uh, something like that, you know. But uh, again, I, I'm like you. I think if you iterate, this is what dad would want you to continue being the mm. best soccer player yeah. or your best grades mm. ever. He, and he's there to root yeah. you on and, you know, let him, let him yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say I had a very different experience. Um, when mm. I grew up, I was 20 when my dad passed and it was also rather unexpected. Um, I, you know, he had cancer, so it was, going downhill very quickly so we had a little bit of pre-warning but um, I was 20 and I thought I was really young when he passed and I thought I was way too young to lose my dad and then I looked at my boys and they were not even combined as old as I was back then mm -hmm. you know they were 10 and 8 and I thought I'm not gonna let you go through what I've been through I had no tools whatsoever back then I had no idea how to deal with it I dealt with it very differently I did fall into this hole of you know what I'm going to do without my dad for a really long time or for me it felt like a really long time it was probably the first year that was really hard for me and I looked at my boys and I thought there's no way I'm gonna let you experience that you know I'm here for you I'm just gonna so back you up and support you to find happiness you know to create a happy life even though you are growing up without your dad and I'm not gonna let any of that happen to you that I experienced, I, 
I, I instantly stepped into protector mode and you know the mom in shining armor I was like mm-hmm. I want to show you how it works how you can live a happy life and this is two different scenarios they brought in um it's yeah. easier when death comes if you have time to prepare for it like your dad mm-hmm. y'all had a little bit of time with the yeah. uh, cancer whereas your husband just he was gone all of a sudden and so yeah that's yeah. two different issues not issues, but two mm-hmm. different scenarios where, yeah. you know, it, it's, yeah, it, but if you can prepare for it, it's easier for a transition. You would think so, but it's actually not. Like, you know, you think really? it's easier okay. if you have time to prepare, but it wasn't. I think um, what made it easier for me this time was that I was prepared differently through life, through what mm-hmm. I've been doing. I, uh, you know, I've been working as a mindset mentor for over seven years before Rob passed. So I had all the tools in terms of mindset. What do you focus on? How do you uh, look at it? What perspective do you choose? You know, choices. We have so many choices. Yet when somebody passes, we feel like we don't have a choice. We haven't been giving a choice in this. We haven't got a say in this. Rather than focusing on the things that we can actually choose, we can choose how we respond to it. We can choose our attitude. And don't get me wrong, with all due respect, it's not about, you know, having a good or bad attitude towards losing somebody in your life that's so close to you, but it's the general attitude towards life, the attitude towards do I want to be happy, do I want to heal. Healing is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. I really knew that and it was so important for me. It really helped me. A lot of people don't have that experience or that knowledge in terms of that they can actually choose that they want healing in their lives. And if they don't choose that, nobody can help them, nobody. They can go through therapies and group sessions and anything and everything. If they don't want to heal, they won't. It's a decision that we need to make. And luckily I knew that because that's what I was teaching already for over seven years when Rob passed. When I lost my dad, I was not in that mind frame. I had Mm -hmm. none of those tools. I didn't know how to respond. So even though I had time to prepare and I put that under huge quotation marks I Mm -hmm. wasn't prepared and I was not better prepared than when Rob passed where I had no time whatsoever it just happened in an instant he had a brain aneurysm he collapsed in the shower and died it was literally no pre-warning it happened there and then yet I still felt better prepared by life and by what I've been doing before and who I had become who I had grown to be and that was all by choices that I made in my life. And that's what I wanted to teach my boys. And that's what I'm teaching all my clients now that I work with, that you do have choices in life. You're not just all stripped of all your choices just because somebody dies. And that just because somebody dies, I'm going to put under another big set of quotation marks here because it's not a just, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Do, yeah. um, do you think that uh, maybe when you were younger, when your dad passed, that again... Yeah. Like again, you weren't prepared. You don't. You don't have your tools you have today. Yeah. So, do you think part of it also goes back to the stigma that the, everybody expects you to be sad, down, depressed, yeah. and don't and don't expect? And if you move too early into happiness, they're yeah. going something's not right here. Yeah, or you're disrespectful, or you didn't yeah, love yeah, the person, or you're not exactly. breathing properly, or. Yeah. You know, there's there's all these, um, yeah, it, it's all part of that stigma around grief, how you're supposed to fall apart and supposed to grieve and supposed to be sad and supposed to hold on to that forever and life's not ever going to be the same. Well, of course not. How can life ever be the same? But it doesn't mean that it 
has to be bad or sad for the rest of your life. You know, life won't ever be the same. That's absolutely correct. But that's the most neutral statement there is. It's the meaning that we put onto that that changes it in a good or in a bad way, if that makes sense. We give you the meaning. Life won't ever be the same. It's an absolute neutral statement. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, when you teach some of your clients, um, yeah. there's no timetable when to move. They still like you said, have to no. make that choice. So no. uh, don't don't fall into someone says, oh, he's only been passed away a month and a half and you're moving on. What? What's mm-hmm. going on? But then someone goes, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. It's taken so long. Now you're yeah, in between. Yeah, some it's not fast and, enough. Yeah, you're well, into, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and so See, and, yeah. And got, they got to realize, that, yeah, that it's still on their timetable. Yeah. And when they, when they need to move. I always say every, every, yeah, every journey of grief is just as unique as the person experiencing it. You know, there is no timetable. There's no after six months it will be better and after one year you've done all the milestones and then you'll move forward. That's not true. That is such a stigma. It's not true. You know, for some that works faster and for others it takes a lot longer. It really depends on um, what decision you make and what choices you make in your life on a daily basis. You know, it's we do have a lot of choices. It takes us a little while to to honour that, to understand that, to find those choices in life that we have. And that's basically what I teach, you know, where to find those choices and how to make them. It's little steps. It's really little steps. And the more of those little steps you choose, the faster you come to your goal. And um, that is very, very different for everyone. And I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I go back to, I just go back to the stigma that you're talking that yeah. you can't really get upset and listen to what other people are saying. And it's still you. So, mm. yeah, like, you know, you start worrying what other people are thinking. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the same thing without a loss or without death. You know, if you worry about yeah. what other people's thinking, all you're doing is holding yourself back from what you deserve in life. Mm. Yeah. You know, I was also very lucky because Rob and I really lived a life of no regrets. Like we, we communicated really well. We communicated a lot. And we had some of those talks, you know, when you – you might be driving home from work and there was an accident somewhere and then you hear in the radio that somebody passed, you know, it might have been a four-year-old boy, it might have been a dad that had kids waiting at home for him to come home and he didn't. And that often triggered uh, those conversations between us, you know, we we're like, what would you do, you know, what if, what would you do if something was to ever happen to either of us? And both of us had this absolute strong wish for the other person. We're like, if something was to ever happen to me, I want you to take the voice and create the happiest life possible. We would always say that to each other and we really meant it. And, of course, you know, you can say that was theory. Like none of us had any idea that that would happen one day, you Mm -hmm. know. So when it did happen, it felt somewhat good to know that that's what I knew he wanted me to do and vice versa. I would have wanted the same for him, you know. So, yeah, I was, I was going to ask knowing one question. thing or doing it is a, is a very different thing. It really takes dedication. It takes a decision to actually live that. Oh, yeah. And I was going to ask that question is, yeah. um, again, whether it's husband, wife, spouse, or whether mm. it's mom and dad. Yeah. 
we should have this conversation, you know, mm. when something, because you know it's going to happen, you know, when something does happen, then we're going, yeah. you know, what, what would you expect? And you would hope that they would yeah. say, encourage you to say, I want you to have the best life possible still. I wouldn't yeah. want you to remarry. I would want you to, I mean, yeah, yeah you would think that the, yeah. all couples and everybody, again, whether it's child and mom and dad, should sit down mm. and have this conversation. And they would especially. I believe it's important we do have these conversations. Yeah. Like talk about and, and that it. Way you, that way you like, have that, um, that uh, fulfillment uh knowing yeah. their blessings that they're you know they're encouraging you to move on it really does help it really does help and you know what like everyone's life is so different but mm -hmm. the one thing that we all have in common is that we will die one day and nobody knows when that's going to be so that's the one thing we all have in common so if you take anything away from this podcast listening to us have that conversation it really you you sometimes think it's offending people but you'll see that for like, you know, very often, more often than not, it's actually a relief for people when you bring that topic up because they think they're offending you. So it's this whole nobody wants to talk about it. But then when you do, it feels so much better. It really does. I'm just like I even, believe it or not, um, had this conversation with my boys, what would happen to them if something was to happen to me because mm -hmm. I thought I honestly had no idea how to ever talk to them about it without scaring them and making them think, oh, my God, something could yes, happen to mom too yes. now, you know. I thought, how on earth would I ever approach this topic? But believe it or not, my older son, um, he was 11 at the time, so it was approximately a year after Rob died. He brought the topic up and said, mom, what would happen to us if, if you were to die? And, you know, my heart dropped, but on the other hand, I was so grateful that he brought it up. Yes, yes. So the topic was there. So I, I approached it really calmly and quietly and I told him what Dad and I had decided and what's in our will. If something was to happen to both of us, you know, who would be the ones looking after them? And it was beautiful because I could actually talk to them about it and, and ask them how they feel about it and both felt good about that, you know. Not that they would feel good about me passing, obviously, but they felt good with the decision that we made who would be looking after them. So... That really feels amazing, having this conversation with an 11 and a 9-year-old. It's nothing that you really want to have. It's nothing that I wish upon anyone that, that you need to have this conversation. Yet in my case, I was so glad that I did because I'm a sole parent now. I'm not a single parent where another single parent is floating around somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I'm a sole parent. I'm it. So I wanted them to know, and I'm so grateful that he brought it up because it is confronting. So, yeah, the, that. yeah, that's that's where you got to know your uh, intellectual abilities of your children, because yeah. um, at eleven, for him to be wondering yeah. what's going to happen if mom, I mean, yeah. it, uh, uh, another child may be fifteen before they feel they're mature enough to have this yeah. talk. Uh, yeah. So that's where each parent knows the ability and how much they can handle. Absolutely. Um, and again, again, you don't want to scare them to death that would happen. You don't want to be yeah. frightful. I don't want them worrying the rest of life. Yeah. But we just want to have this talk and just letting you know. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree that you should be uh, when it's time. And it, it definitely was time when he brought it to you. When he yeah, came to exactly. You. That's what I'm thinking. I think we need to normalize these conversations. You know, when your child does approach you with anything, it doesn't have to be death can be anything that's confronting for you to talk about. But when your child approaches you, 
then just take it as a normal conversation. Be grateful that they are curious, that they want to know things and, and always trust your intuition. You as a parent always know how far you go with that conversation. Yeah. And this is awesome. Uh, uh, conversation with us and topic. Yeah. So I don't have any children. So I just got yeah. my service dog and a uh, cat. Mm-hmm. And so I think they know what yeah. I would like after everything's done. And so, I mean, yeah. throwing some, uh, uh, no, nah, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but uh, I've no. told people on my podcast before and my family mm-hmm. knows if I'm to go and, uh, you know, I just want to be cremated. I hope they have the best life yeah. possible. I said, Hey, yeah. if y'all want to charge, if y'all want to save one of the cremation, just throw me on the barbecue out in the back and we'll do it <laughs> now. Legally, I know we can't do that, but I'm, I'm saying I, I prefer y'all having a big party, uh, celebrating yeah. life than that boo-hooing over me. So, yeah. And, 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 th- yeah. and, and again, this is something that everybody's different. I would not say because someone's crying and boo-hooing and eight months later and they're still mm-hmm. in love and there's that something's wrong. No, we all go through yeah. it. And if we're going to take yeah. different phases, different links. Yeah. You can't push anyone into anything, you know. It's like with any and every healing. Like when your body gets a, a cut, it takes its time to heal. You can't just put some medicine on and the next day the cut's gone, you know. Like the deeper the wound is, the longer it usually takes to heal. And with something like that, that cuts quite deeply, you know. And, um, again, it really depends on how you dress the wound, you know, to stick with that comparison. Like if you keep putting salt in it and rubbing it and picking the scabs off, it's very disgusting. I'm sorry to be so uh, visual with that, but hey, it we won't talk heal, like this you know. on our podcast. Yeah. We let them know up front and up right. So we but do. really, if if you attend it with care and you know you, you put the right things on to help the healing, then it will certainly heal easier and quicker than when you interrupt the healing. So that goes with any healing. If that's emotional, if that's physical, it really depends on how we address it, what attention we pay to the wound and, um, yeah, what environment people, we create for that wound. Yeah, and people got to remember it's not a one-size-fit-all uh, dress or one-size-fit-all <clears throat> jacket that, uh, exactly. again, everybody's got their own different size, different ways of weighing things out. Um, now, how, how powerful or how big do you think having a good um, support system, you know, uh, people yeah. with you? Oh. That, that is really big and I'm so grateful that you asked that question, James, because I think the support network is something that was really, really important for me to create and to select and that sounds very selective and I was because not everybody in your support system is really supportive. So this is Amen, a very, sister. Yes, and yes. this is a very, very important thing to talk about. So I'm so grateful that you bring that up. And I'm going to give you a very, very easy checking point for anyone listening to this right now. Um, If the person leaves you and you feel drained, it's not supportive. That's how simple it is. If the person leaves you and you feel better, that's supportive. Super simple checking point. For those of you who have people come in and out as their support network and you feel drained afterwards, Try to minimize the time with that particular person. And I say that with such a with such emphasis because I had one of my, I even called her soul sister, really, really close to me, yet um, she was not supportive and she didn't realize it. And I knew her intention was positive, absolute positive intention, yet the outcome was complete opposite. 
and I literally had to cut her out of my life for at least half a year or a year. We had an amazing conversation about it. Um, so it was approximately seven months after Rob passed because I took the boys traveling around the world. We traveled for two months around the world, which was incredible. Oh, it's awesome, and yes. I, yeah, it was just perfect to get away from all the, you know, the first milestones, the first mm -hmm. Christmas and New Year's and birthdays of the boys. We, I did not want to be at home for that. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to show them, you know, different experiences, happy yeah. experiences. Yes. Like yes. we traveled to the Maldives and to Canary Islands and we went to the Eiffel Tower in Paris and ate it. Escalgor and like we did all these really crazy things and it was just beautiful to be able to do that with them and to see them lighter again and laughing and you know splashing around in a pool and it was really the most amazing thing that we did that and on my journey around the world I caught up with this particular friend as well and had to talk to her about it and I'm really grateful I did because she understood my perspective and she also really respected it and said, I understand why you did cut me out of your life now because mm -hmm. she had no idea about my perspective. She honestly thought that she was helping me, but she wasn't. And this is the point. A lot of people think that they're helping you by piling on, and I'm saying that on purpose in that way, their experiences onto your plate. So how is anybody else's pain helping me when I'm just going through my worst pain. This mm -hmm. is not helping. And so many people think that they're doing the right thing and they think by telling me their story of whoever lost their husband young, uh, it's helping me. It's not. It, it doesn't help me in any way. It doesn't make me feel any more understood. It doesn't make me feel any lighter. It adds to my pain. It adds to my all I need is somebody to be here and hold space for me, send me love, hug me, whatever, sit with me. Don't bombard me with other death stories. Just it's sit shocking. and listen to me Yeah. without giving and, your advice. Yeah. Just let, just let me open and if, up. If you don't understand that, yeah, I'll give you the best example, like a, a really great comparison that a lot of people, a lot of moms can relate to. The worst thing is when you're nine months pregnant, and all of a sudden people bombard you with their worst and most negative birth stories. Uh, oh, yeah. How is helping me? So yeah. this is this is just the same, you know. It's like bombarding people with stories where somebody else died. This is not helping me. My husband just died. Why are you telling me these things, you know? So this is just a just learn to listen to people and sit with them. That is really the most helpful thing you can do. Even when people come in with their horrific stories, in their yeah. mind, they think they're helping you. And yeah. th within good intentions, they think so. But yeah. again, sometimes you just got to shut your mouth, listen, yeah. and just go, I'm sorry. And, and, and I, for example, for me, my younger brother passed yeah. away. And while we're at mm. the funeral, uh, a woman comes up to my mom with great intentions and says, yeah. well, God needed him back. He's done his job here. And then went on and said, because uh, he knew that, saying this to my mom, that she knew that mom was strong enough to handle losing her son. And oh, then my mom, then my mom goes, so if I was weak, he'd still, still be here. Mm. And yeah, you know, something yeah. just, I understand their intention yeah. to try but sometimes just be quiet, say I'm sorry, and move on. Yeah. You know, my dad had a 
um, <laughs> bless him, he had a very sarcastic and sometimes a bit of a dark humor. And mm -hmm. one of his favorite sayings was, the opposite of good is a good intention. <laughs> and he always yeah, said that with there you go. because that's, he said, that's, yeah, that's, I that's great. there was good intention behind it. Well, it was definitely not good. And here's another thing I'd like to say. First of all, my heart goes out to you because I can only imagine what it would be like for you as a brother to, you know, to have to go through an experience like that. And I just literally want to wrap you and your mom and your entire family in a in a huge bubble of love. That's all I can do, really. For me, it's like when somebody comes and says, well, he's in a better place now, this is a not for them to say because who are they to make that judgment? I know, I really know and truly believe with all my heart that they have a good intention. I really do. Yet I'm saying that because I really hope that anybody listening to this podcast will that take, you know, will that will take that away from here to not ever say that to anyone. Because if that is really the case, if that is something that comes out of that, the understanding or the thought or an epiphany that he might be in a better place right now, this is only for me, for the person experiencing the death of a loved one, to discover, to understand, to, to decide, this is like a hidden gift and adversity. If you really come to that state of, you know what, he is in a better place, then it's a gift for me to discover. It's like taking somebody's gift from underneath a Christmas tree and wrap it up, uh, you know, unwrap it and go like, here you go, that's yours. Excuse me, can you let me open that in my own time? Don't do that. You know, it's, and people don't understand how that actually affects people when you say that. It does not ever 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 affect anyone in a positive way when you say that oh no i've never heard anybody say you know what it felt so good that somebody said that to me every single person who shared that with me and i've worked with hundreds of clients now over the last couple of years um has said to me it felt like a slap in the face or like a stab right into my heart i don't think that anybody has the intention to slap or stab anyone with that sentence so please don't ever use it again yeah, exactly. Like, like said, my mom, she came back. If I was weak, he'd be here then, you know, yeah. instead of being yeah. strong. So, all right. So Marie, oh, this time is, uh, oh, she, she's a strong woman. She's a strong cookie. Yeah. I've actually, she's 82 and we just got her back awesome. from the hospital. She'd been yeah. uh, 82 and pneumonia doesn't go well together. And oh, she was no. in the hospital for nearly a month and in rehab for three weeks. So we just got her home three weeks ago. and. Her? She is back to uh, maybe not exactly 100%, but she's a lot better than she was. So, uh, so we're, we're very that. blessed that uh, yeah. the, I still get to spend a little bit more time with her, me and my yeah. older brother. So, <laughs> Marie, cool. well, we appreciate you coming and sharing. Uh, and um, I'm sorry with uh, your husband as well. Uh, mm. But, um, yeah. Thanks so much if for having me. Any good loving person, they would, they yeah. would say, please have the best life, go forward. Um, mm. Don't forget me, but again, I want you to have the best life ever. I put you know, ever. <laughs> from this. And so it sounds like you've done that and you're a great example yeah. to your boys. And uh, that's going to be good for them when Thank they you. meet the woman of their life. And yeah. it's going to be good for them to be able to share all that and have this conversation with them as well uh, to what to expect. Yeah. 
So thank you so much for saying that. Appreciate you. you sharing it with everybody. And what they say, all this stuff on the internet's here forever now. So just think, Marie, in a hundred yeah. years from now, you're going to help someone else uh, during going yeah. through a grieving time. So, hey, go ahead and tell us uh, some of your uh, websites. Uh, you wait, sure. someone get hold of you if they want coaching or mentoring, and uh, yeah. going from there. Yeah, absolutely. I make it super, super short and simple because it's so much easier to remember than all the other links. You just go to mariealessi.com. So it's my first name, last name.com. And you find all the links to my books, to my courses, to my healing uh, journeys, to my retreats. My TEDx talk is on there. And uh, literally everything I've ever said or done is on my website. You'll find all the links. And there's also one link that leads to my group, Loving Life After Loss. So it's really beautiful that there's over three and a half thousand people now in there. And we just focus on helping you heal, hold space for you, sending you love. So you're very welcome to join. I'll um, uh, get those links and put in the show notes to make Absolutely. it easier for people just to click on and stuff like that as well. Thank you. So, Thanks, hey, uh, we now, Marie, we know the people who are hurting and struggling today. If you can leave us with a yeah. positive message to help them get through today, uh, that's going to be a blessing. Yeah, I think the most, um, what I want to share is really just choose your focus every single day. And even if it's starting with a tiny little thing, you know, focus on something that you want to see in life. Like, you know, choose to focus on today I'm going to see how many smiles I can count when I go outside. Just something so little, you know, it will help your brain focus on the things that you want to see. And, you know, looking at smiles will really help you. It's just beautiful and contagious, just as a little example. That's a great example because there's days mm-hmm. that I'm not uh, feeling quite happy and I'll actually take my service and we'll go life's haze back to life, basically. I mean, there's yeah. been people that, want to pet him and I'll let him pet my service dog and they'll hug him and they're crying because they had just put their dog down six months ago mm-hmm. and it would thank me for sharing him with them. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah which, which you said about just go count the smiles and bring mm-hmm. a smile. It, it's huge in itself. So, yeah. All right, Marie, thank you for being here. Everyone else is do something today, tomorrow, something next week. that's going to help you persevere past your, paralysis thanks for listening to the professor of perseverance podcast for motivation inspiration and encouragement for more information go to facebook at professor of perseverance visit the website at professor of perseverance.com and view the youtube channel dr james purdue professor of perseverance